Frank Network. Content on this production is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It is not medical advice, nor is it intended to substitute medical treatment or diagnosis. Seek medical help if you believe that you are suffering from a mental illness or are a threat to yourself or others. By using any or all of the information provided, you do so at your own risk. Any application of the material is at the listener's discretion and is his or her sole responsibility. Hey everybody, Doc Brian here and welcome to Doc Talks, where we talk about people's troubles, trials, tribulations, and triumphs in life. Today, I have with me Bryant Bell. Did I say that right? Yes. Bryant Bell. And um, with June being Pride Month, I wanted to interview someone to talk about how they came out and some interesting stories uh, that surround that. And so uh, Bryant is here with me today, and and he's going to share his story with us. And so, Bryant, tell us a little bit about where you grew up, what, what that kind of looked like in your household. Well, I was born here in Little Rock, uh, but I was born, I, mean, I was raised in also Helena, West Helena, Arkansas, and here in Little Rock also. It was just a lot of old school kind of thinking and stuff like that. Um, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that, but just a lot of outdated terms of not philosophy, but just thought and like how people looked at certain things and things like that. Could you give us an example of of that old school thinking? Yeah. Um, as far as LGBT people go, like no one accepted that at all. No one really accepted interracial like marriages and couples and things like that where I was from. Even like as far as like a talent or something like that goes, everybody was kind of the you work for the rest of your life kind of thinking and they were just really stuck in the old school. I think of it as like the, well, I'm not going to say that, but. Well, you can say very, what you want to. <laughs> just kind of 19, almost 1950s kind of thought process about things. So is that, I guess, kind of your parents were raising you the way that they were raised. Yes. Okay. And so you, you said like you had to work for, they thought you had to work for what you got. So if it was something like where you wanted to be an artist or be a musician, that was a sideline and not, you don't, we don't focus on that. We focus on having a career. Exactly. Okay. And I, you know, with parents kind of sometimes go that way because they don't want to see, uh, you know, their child's struggling or have to to pull them along per se. But unless you go after your dreams, you, you can't really make it. Most people aren't, you know, found working at, at some corporate job to be a good singer or a good artist or those kind of things. And like I see so many people now, they're just stuck in not dead end jobs, but it's going to be, take so many years for you to climb your way into being successful at that job that you're trying to make a career where never you just got to expand you got to broaden your horizons and you can go to cities like dallas or new orleans or places that aren't that far away memphis and you can find an opportunity that may change your life and may not just you but not even just your kids but like your grandchildren or great-grandchildren 
you know, they're going to be okay. Right. And I wish more people from where I'm from would see that because it just seems to be one way or another. There's so many other directions to look at. Sure. So West Helena, though, is is quite a way from here, isn't it? Yes. West Helena is actually in the Delta. Okay. The poorest communities in the nation, the poorest region in the nation. Okay. So uh, you have brothers, sisters? Yes. I have a younger brother um, and I have three older half-siblings. And coming to Little Rock, what was that like from West Helena? It was so much different. Population literally is 10 times bigger than West Helena. At the time, whenever I had left, it was around 10,000 people in Helena. I think it's less than that now. The city has been declining for a very long time. But coming to Little Rock, um, it was a place that was way bigger and just a lot more going on here. And the city, I'm going to be honest, is a lot more dangerous to being here in the Little Rock area than it was in West Helena. And not in terms of crime, but just like mental. Like it's a lot more to get into. It's a lot more people around you. And it's a lot more opinions and a lot more things getting thrown your way. And it's just very different. Yeah. Uh, growing up in small town, rural America, uh, as I did, is is completely different than than growing up in, in, in a city. And I, I really don't even consider Little Rock to be a big city. Uh, but there is a lot of different ideologies around many different things uh, here in, in, in the metro area and some places that are more conservative, some places that are more liberal. And depending on where you're at, where you're working, uh, what part of Little Rock you're in, everything could be completely different. I wouldn't say there's too many places that are liberal. Most <laughs> of the places that I go here in Little Rock, they still are very conservative. And I don't want to be in a place that's like so conservative like Little Rock is. That's why I want to try to branch out to different cities like Memphis, like Dallas, and see what a better perspective is of liberal life in, in the South. Gotcha. There's not much of that, though. So you don't want liberal life in the North? I like being down South. I do. Because it's like almost Southern pride, but not in that, not in that kind of right thinking of it. Mm-hmm. But like a more passive side of Southern pride. Because I do like being from, from being from the South. I do like, you know, my accent. Mm-hmm. And y'all and stuff like that. I like that. I like the food that we have here. It's a sense of other pride, so I don't want to lose that. Gotcha. So growing up in in high school, what was it like? Did you play sports? Were you into music? What was your life like in middle high school? Obviously, high middle and high school, it's a coming of age time. So I did play sports, but that was like the only thing I was really confident about myself in at the time. And I was barely confident in that also. I was in choir also in in high school and in middle school, but music still wasn't something that I was confident in at the time. And now, you know, it's something that I want to make a career and hopefully I get there at that point. But it was just a lot of different things that I wasn't, didn't really know about myself in high school. And now that I've done so much more, so much more since I've left high school, starting to come into it and come into myself. In high school, in this coming of age era, is that 
kind of where you begin to question your sexuality about who you are as an individual. Yes. And and tell me a little bit about how that happened. What what transpired there? Well, it was a moment in like ninth or tenth grade that um and I was going to a private Christian school in Little Rock, small, mostly white. And um I ended up writing this letter to this kid, to this guy that I I pretty I liked. And um that just took a turn for the worse. Like things got so much worse whenever I did that. It got so bad that I had to like move schools because I just really couldn't, especially with like how my mental state was back then, I really couldn't take it. But whenever I moved schools, it didn't really get much better mm-hmm. because I went to a bigger school. I went to Maumelle High School, school with over a thousand kids and um, just so much more different stuff. And I was still in that, you know, small school, mostly white kids around me. And it was just so much more different than where I was. So in what grade were you in when you wrote this letter? I was in ninth grade. Ninth grade. And and was it a letter to a kid that, that you thought would be open to these kind of feelings that you had? or I didn't really know about anybody at that time because I didn't know much about LGBT like I know now. And I just took a chance for it and... End up taking a turn for the worse instead of the better. Mm-hmm. So, so what kind of what kind of things did you say in this letter? Were you very blunt about your intentions, or was it just a "I like you, do you like me back" kind of letter? Like I don't remember much from it, and I think it was on pur- it, that's on purpose mm-hmm. because, like I said, it made things a lot worse for me whenever it happened. So. I don't really remember. So did it, it, it made things worse in school where there were other students that were oh, saying yeah. things? Most definitely. Okay. So it wasn't just like he took the letter and took it to the administration or oh, no, no, no. anything he, like that. It was bullying within the school. No, he did that. He did that as well. Yeah. Okay. In that, how did the administration handle that? Do you, do you recall? In the conservative manner, they shut it down. Like they're saying that stuff like this cannot happen at this school and- you know, at the time I went along with it, like, yeah, I understand it. But now looking back on it, I'm like, I can't believe they did something like that. Because you're in high school, you know, people, kids are trying to find themselves and not even educate about like different sexualities and things like that. And they didn't educate me about that at all. They just shut it down saying, no, this can't happen again. And then things went on. Well, I think I ended up getting like suspended for like a few days so- because of that. So was the letter explicit that they would no. suspend you? No. Or was it just the fact of that there was a letter where you expressed emotion to someone of the same sex in a conservative Christian school? Yep. Okay. So then this, you said the bullying, it got harder. Was it the students that really bullied you? Were there particular ones? Was this guy that you sent the letter to, was he the one that bullied? It was just kind of everybody. And what kind of things would they do? I want to keep it PG here, but so many slurs. I was already getting like racially bullied at mm-hmm. this school because I was like one of 12 kids out of 700, mm-hmm. 12 minority kids out of like 700 students. Now, there was two different locations. There was one lower elementary school and there was one junior high and high school. And at the high school, there was around 
300 to 400 kids at the time. And I was like one of six or seven minority kids at that time. And I was already getting racially bullied. Then that happened. It was just mostly verbally, but no, all of it was just verbally. And just plummeted my self-confidence, plummeted everything at that time. And so many just slurs, so many things that, you know, you never really thought kid know how to say, know where to, like, where did they get these words from? Mm-hmm. Like, are you talking racial slurs or sexual? Both. Okay. Can you, and I know you said you wanted to keep it PG, but could you kind of explain any of those slurs that just really hurt deeply to you? The N word mm-hmm. with the hard ER. Like, I got mm-hmm. called that to my face several mm-hmm. times, and it was not much that I could do about it. And then, like, as far as sexual terms go, and, and I don't I don't mean it. But why? Why would I see? I just don't comprehend that racism issue there. Why would anybody just feel the need to call someone that? Because it's taught like at home or like they see examples of it in their family, things like mm-hmm. that. And that's why, like I said, I want to get away from Little Rock because I know it's still a lot more people here in the city that still have that old school racism like like I was saying in the 50s and mm-hmm. 60s and stuff like that so and, and I'm glad that you said that was taught because I, I believe 100% the racism is taught it's not something that we just inherently one day decide we don't like a particular race oh yeah and so you know there was there was that already prior to this incident where you wrote the letter correct mm-hmm. and so now we have this letter and so it went from a racial into more of a, a sexual term so what what really just pointed out to you there what people would say well it wasn't just like one specific thing it was like four years of it mm-hmm. and then ninth and tenth grade year the sexual stuff got added on to it and it was just a point where I was like no nah, I'm not doing this anymore Mm-hmm. I moved schools, and whenever I got to my male high school, I really wasn't dealing with the racial side of things as much. But teenagers, they're brutal. I don't want to say that because I was there recently, and I know there's some good in everything. Like, I met some great people while I was at that school. But no matter where you are, you're going to see the worst sure. out of people. Especially when you're hurting. Yeah. Most definitely. And so <clears throat> moving from this private school into Maumel High School, which is a public school, did anyone there, were they aware of anything that had happened within your sexuality and in this coming of age in, in the other school? Uh, no, because I didn't even, I came out to like three or four people when I was there out of a thousand kids, you know, nobody really picked up on anything. I tried my best to keep on the raps because so, I didn't really know what was going on until like my senior year of high school and then i was like okay i kind of know what's going on now because i was dating someone at the time and um she was the same she was the same as me at the time also i identify as a pansexual Mm -hmm. and she was bisexual at that time so whenever i found out about that i was like i'm gonna learn more and more about it Mm -hmm. and i'm already a nerd so Mm -hmm. like whenever i set my mind to learn something, something, 
I research for like weeks mm-hmm. and I try to learn as much as I can about it before I move on to something else or something like that. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being a nerd, <laughs> so especially in, in trying to research. Now, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, I'm sure everybody's familiar with the term bisexual, which means you're attracted to both sex uh, or male or female. But what is what is pansexual? Can you explain that in your own words? Pansexual is just an attraction to any and everybody. Like I have love for just everybody because no matter skin color, no matter the sex, no matter the gender, just love for everybody. To a sexual nature. Well, it can be both sexually and both just love in general, both in that sense. So in you mentioned that in this private school, you came out to two or three people there. What made you decide to come out to those particular people? Because I was learning more about it and I was learning more about myself at the time. I watched a video recently that whenever you got to hide something for so long, it gets tiring to hide it. It gets tiring to keep it under wraps. And you kind of just want to let it out. And that's how I was feeling about my sexuality at that time, where I was telling, you know, people I was really close to about it. And that didn't really grow until after high school, until my parents found out about it. And then I was like, they know, and a good amount of family knows now. So I might as well just, I'm not going to hold this back anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm so happy that I'm not holding it back anymore because it's hard to keep it under wraps. It's hard to keep something under wraps and hidden for. Yeah. And it, I mean, it leads to many different mental health issues of depression, anxiety, most definitely um, self-identification issues. Was there a point though, where you had come out to a couple of people, but deep down inside you said, is this really who I am? And tried to fight off the urge and tried to convince yourself that you weren't bisexual. I was almost like, I feel like I was almost trained to do that while I was at that private school. And moving schools and finding out more about sexuality, finding like meeting people who identified as other things. That's whenever I came into age about it. And whenever I first got into my mail, I was still like trying to hide it as best as I could. Actually, I'll be honest. I was even in college still trying to hide it because I was playing college basketball. Athletes, especially black athletes, they're not as open about everything. They're still kind of in the old school thinking. And that's why I was really trying to hide it then. Why do you think that particularly black athletes try to hide that other than just an old school way of thinking? I'll refer, I'll correct myself because really all male athletes don't really like I've been looking up trying to find someone who's a male athlete and the five major sports they say basketball football soccer baseball tennis yeah I believe so but I only was able to find one male athlete who identified as LGBT and whenever he came out a year or two later he retired And then I try to find out about collegiate athletes and lower level professional athletes. And I just wasn't able to find hardly anything. Do you think that's because of the masculinity that they want to hold on to that? Or do you think it's for fear of what actually could happen as far as the slurs and the the abuse and the bullying within the league? The bullying in the league is 
definitely something that will happen once you come out. And also athletics is seen as a masculine trait. Like you're the cream of the crop as far as masculinity goes because you're in peace shape, you're making all this money. So that's both masculine traits. And um, it's society that's holding on to that masculinity because, well, and I think athletes are too, but I hope a new generation of athletes will come very soon that it's going to be accepting of other people's sexuality in, in sports. I really hope that comes soon mm-hmm. because I kind of want to be that. I'm not talking about major league sports and stuff like that, but maybe like a low-level professional athlete or something like that, that's going to be that people can be like, hey, He's doing it. So why can't I do it too? And, you know, even in a a hot topic right now, especially in the state of Arkansas is within transgender youth and how, you know, they're not allowed to, to compete in the sport of which they, they consider themselves to sexually identify as. What are your feelings on that? I am very disappointed in Arkansas and not just because of that issue, but we're still so far behind than other states around us. And I don't think things will change anytime soon either. And I just hope that um, the people in the state will get all out of all that just old thinking and just be more open because we're all people in the end of the day and we all deserve to do something that we love to do, especially kids. They don't have much. I mean, yeah, you can give them the world and all that, but that doesn't matter because they want to enjoy you know, their own things. And I think sports is a great way for, you know, kids to be active also and be competitive and be happy about, you know, what they're doing and who they are while they're doing it. And I hate that Arkansas is taking away these opportunities from these kids that are probably going to, that probably need it the most. Mm-hmm. You know, it's when I, I think about sports or you know, really any civic organization within a school, I think about how important those are for the inclusion of all of these different students to feel like they have a part. I know myself now being out of school for 20 years, uh, which doesn't seem possible, but looking back, you know, it was those type of organizations that made me feel like an equal to others that, uh, within a socioeconomic world, I knew that I was not equal mm-hmm. to. And so uh, there's that that level of, of inclusion. But going back to this, this bill that has been uh, now passed as law in the state of Arkansas, it, it's much more than just inclusion in school sports. It also takes away the right for a minor child to receive any type of medical treatment to allow for a transition. Now, as an individual, I don't really know where I sit on that because they're a minor. I mean, they they can't, we're going to allow them to decide who they want to be within their gender, but we won't allow them to smoke cigarettes or to drink alcohol or to vote or to go into military service. And so I do think that, you know, we really have to be careful when it comes to things that we are doing to alter who we are. But as far as inclusion, um, not just not just for sexual identity, but 
once again, socioeconomic identity, all of these things, we, we kind of have to make sure that we aren't excluding anyone because then that gets back to a gender bias or a racist bias. And we're all the way back to where we began. Exactly. But then I've heard arguments too about how we are allowing the feminine movement to go back 50 years by allowing inclusion of transgender. And so, I mean, there are all these different ideas and, and thoughts of, is this okay or is this not okay? Here's what I got to say about that. People deserve everything. And these transgender people, they're people still. So if really the state and pretty much the world, we get in the mindset that these are not aliens almost, or they're not something that can never be understood or something that's supposed to be shunned. And they're people too. And people deserve every opportunity that they can possibly get their hands on or be a part of and things like that. So whenever people say they're sending them back 50 years and all that, they're really not. Because if you just give people opportunities to do great things, then great things will come. Now, it may not happen every time, but I think great things will come whenever you give people the opportunity. So getting back to your story, you said as you... I'm sorry. Um, I was thinking of this earlier. And whenever you were talking about how this being taken away from transgender youth sports and things like that, you're taking away the experience. And I'm not going to say like, well, going different places and things like that. That's a big part of sports, especially whenever I was playing sports, whenever I got to there were so many different cities that I had never gotten to see in my life. I mean, sorry, that I'd gotten to see that I thought I probably would have never gotten to see had I not played sports. And you're taking away that opportunity from kids that will probably need that. Also, meeting different people in different economic places in different skin color and just what they go through in America and even worldwide at some points. You're taking that away from transgender kids that are going to need the experience that are going to, it's going to help them find who they are and it's going to help them become more confident and stronger, things like that. And I don't think that needs to be taken away. Yeah. Uh, you know, with any, any sport or social uh, organization within school, there are those, those trips so that really do help you see the world or, or the state in uh, different different areas of the way of life. And, you know, just in, just in central Arkansas, as compared to northwest Arkansas, uh, the way of life is completely different. And so just, you know, a little way can make a big difference. And where I'm from, West Helena, West Helena, and southeast Arkansas, that's completely different from how Central Arkansas and Northwest Arkansas, how those two places are. And I hate that, like, a transgender child in those cities like Southeast, Southwest, Northeast Arkansas, that opportunity is going to be taken away from them because, first, they're not going to be able to see the city and what else is out there besides where you are now. And also the people that may be more open and, like, are accepting of your sexual identity and that's going to be taken away. You know, one of the one of the things that that we have that somebody isn't supposed to be able to take away from us is who we are. And you know, whether someone thinks that's right or wrong, 
at the end of the day, that's that's who they are. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I totally understand that. You know, once again, getting back to your story, you're you were in college playing basketball. Yes. And what transpired there? So COVID nineteen happened. The basketball season was coming to a close, and things just were not going well at all while I was there. That's a different story, though. But whenever I come home, because I came home from because of COVID nineteen, I was just kind of still in that collegiate mindset. Like I was kind of my own person while I was in college because I was around five hours away from home. So it was just I was kind of doing my own thing, and I came home and. I'm coming back to rules. I'm coming back to curfews. I'm coming back to also not being able to be myself. And I was trying to just do things I still wanted to do without nobody else knowing about it. And it was kind of forced whenever it was a March of this of last year, March of last year. It was just something that I did not want to happen. Like I would have imagined myself being out on my own, being out having my own place, having paying my own bills, stuff like that. So then I'd be able to come out and it wouldn't be a problem because I'd be doing my own thing, whether they accept it or not. But things I forced out, tears were shed that day. I just felt terrible and thinking back to it, I just still don't. It's still hard to deal with. So essentially you you come back home, you don't have that freedom yes. anymore that you had. Um, so you tried to have that freedom within an area of um, doing what you want to do, going where you wanted to do. And essentially, if I if I recall the story correct, kind of got caught in in doing what you want to do and being who you wanted to be. When your parents found out that kind of sent everything, as we say in the South, the crap hit the fan. Oh, yeah. After I came out. I got kicked out of home three different times. And, and I want to mention you were forced to come out. It wasn't yeah. something, it wasn't your it wasn't choice. choice. No, it was just like questions were being asked and they asked the right question. And I didn't want to like, I could have lied. I could have, you know, said a million, so many different things. And thinking back on, it, I wish I would have, but it was forced at that moment. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to keep doing this. I'm going to tell them how it is. And so how did they know what questions to ask? They really didn't. I just, it's just something because my dad had asked me, you know, you're not doing anything with boys, are you? And I was like, so why would that question be asked? I mean, that's not, that's not a, at least in my mind, that's, that's not something that you would just go to your son and say something like that. No, I think they had like skepticisms over years and years and they probably won't ever tell me like why. It's one thing my dad keeps mentioning at um uh, I don't think it's not really appropriate to talk about. There's nothing that's inappropriate on this podcast. So unless you just don't want to tell, it's it's okay to tell. He thinks that I was like molested as a child. Mm. And you know, that kind of not really knowing if I had been or not, and that kind of uh messed with me for a while. So your dad thinks you were molested and you don't know that you were? Yeah, I don't know if I was or not. Was it was it a time that you would have been too young to remember? Yeah, I was around, well, I believe between the ages of three and five years old. And it was by 
supposedly by somebody that I just never really seen much in my life. And was it a family member? No, alleged? a family friend. Okay. Supposedly. Uh, of the same sex, I'm assuming. Yes. Now I don't really think much about it. but And no. so your dad thought that because this had happened that it would make you. Yeah. That's a very old school thing, way it, of thinking. It is a very old school way of thinking, yes. yes. Because there's so many people I still know that think that way. And so he believes that you were made to be gay because of a molestation that you don't even remember taking place. Yes. Okay. Are your parents conservative Christian? My dad is. Mm-hmm. My mom, not so much. Because that kind of goes along with the the process thought of, of sin and generational curse then that is so, in, in this sense, is is atrocious. They both blamed uh, because I was not playing whenever I was born. And so they both kind of blamed it on that because I was born in a wedlock and the Christian way of thinking is that that's not supposed to happen. So different problems will come out of it because of that sin way back. And that's why I just don't really mess with my religion much anymore because it's just so many things that hold people back mentally, most of all, instead of when you be a more open and accepting person. Mm. Yeah, we have to be careful when it comes to religion that we're not projecting guilt and shame, but we're projecting hope and forgiveness. Yes. Yeah. So uh, how was it you said your parents, uh, essentially the night that all of this came about, they kicked you out? It had taken about a couple more days. But I'm sure you were interrogated for more days. It wasn't just one and done, and now two or three days later, you're gone. My dad, for like— Three weeks, he kept trying to like talk to me about it. He kept bringing up the Bible and trying to change me. And I, even like whenever people go to conversion camps and stuff like that, that stuff does not work because even at that camp, like things may go on. So did you go to a conversion? Oh no, camp? No, okay. no, 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 no. But I'm just saying, like changing it does not work. It's kind of like going to rehab isn't going to make you. Quit doing drugs because you can do drugs at rehab if you know how to get it. Yeah. Yeah. In this thought process of your dad wanting to change you, how did that, I mean, how did that reconcile with you as an individual that you just weren't accepted by your father? I don't really care much about it. Because well, maybe not now. Sorry, but mm-hmm. no, because he's just, he just hadn't been the best towards my mother and his family. I'm just not really worried about him anymore. So it sounds like this displeasure or discontentment wasn't something that just started with this coming out story. It's been a long time building up, and now I'm just not really worried about what he thinks anymore. Mm. So a couple of days go by, they kick you out. No, it it taken a while. I'm not going to lie, because I was working a job, and as long as I was making money, I could stay at home. And my dad several times was like, if you didn't have a job, you'd be out of here. I was like, okay. That makes no sense at all. No, I mean, it doesn't, but. was Were they making you pay rent? No. Or is it just they weren't having was, to financially support you? Yeah. And, um, so were you having to like buy your own food and stuff? Yes. 
did that my own gas, my own food. Did uh, that change after you come out, or was that something that was happening happening prior? That changed whenever after I came out. So essentially, they said you can live here so long as you take care of yourself. Yes. To ask a very cliche psychological question, how did that make you feel on the inside? That. You know, parents say they're going to love you forever, stuff like that. But is this really love that you're showing me? And that's a part of the reason why I just want to be away from my family. They've done this several times. And And they've kicked you out several times? Three different times. And both times when I come back, I had to get a job. I had to fend for myself, really, because they weren't going to help me out. And I wish that I just wouldn't have come back and I just would have stayed but I was at the time whenever I got kicked out and just never had to deal with it another time. Like at a, at a point, I did not want to come back to Little Rock at all. And even when I come back, it was like, I'm here. Like, I can't believe I got to deal with all this again. But coming back was a necessity each time that you came back. Yeah, sadly. So uh, did they just kick you out or were there other things that they took from you? Now they just kicked me out, really. Well, I'm sorry that, that that happened to you. It's stuff that's in the past now, and I try to... You try to repress it because I can see that it bothers you. It's in the passing. Forgive and forget doesn't exist, but forgiveness is the best thing. You can forgive them, and I just, at some point, I want to just separate myself from them so that I don't got to even think about it whenever I'm around them and things like that. So in, uh, I mean, it's just unfathomable to me that you would kick your child out. But in in the times that they kicked you out, w- w- what did you do? Where is there to go when that, that take place? Because you're, what, 18, 19 years old at that point? Yes. So it's not like you could just go rent a place. You don't have, presumably don't have credit. You don't have nope. a job. They've kicked you out. Yep. You can't go get a hotel. You don't have a job. You don't have money. So what what do you do? I met some persons at that time, and I had developed relationships just too soon, and things didn't turn out for the for the best whenever all that was happening. I regret that a lot about how I was whenever all that was happening. I was just trying to rush things, and yes, I do. I had love for them and I still have love for these people to this for these people to these day to this day. But the way that the relationship, you know, happened and it could have been a way better way, that's what eats me up all the time because I know I kinda did these people wrong and if it was at a different time, a different point in my life, things would have worked out for the best. But I was just going through so much at that time. So you, you said the the relationship was rushed. Was it that you were trying to find somebody to love you and you were just trying to throw yourself into the relationship? Or was it that you were trying to get the relationship to move along so you had somewhere to go? No. Because whenever I was at home, I was building things with someone. And then that happened. Well, that being that you were kicked out. Yeah, they had, like the person I was in the relationship, they had already known that, you know, what I was going through at home and things like that. And then uh, they kicked me out, and then that person was like, okay, I'm going to help you out. 
you know, it was great that I was away from home and all that, but that's a traumatic event. It changes just everything about you, what you think of and things things like that, mental state and things like that. And that's why I'm saying it wasn't for the best because I was still dealing with that. I was still not really coping. I wasn't accepting it. I wasn't, I was trying to just distract myself from that. So, so would you say that the person that you moved in with or that helped you, that you kind of the anger and all of that that you had towards your parents, you kind of projected onto that person? No, because I, I will never project an anger from something else or something else entirely different onto a person. What I will say is it just wasn't a good time because I wasn't ready for life without support being from someone other than this person you were in a relationship with support being someone outside of family it is anybody I wasn't ready for life then so I was still just trying to figure out what to do what I need to do so were you looking for other support is that kind of what happened yes and no because like I said I really did love Whenever the first time it happened and you know, I got kicked out, I really did love the person. I still got love for him today. Did that person end up kicking you out or sending you away? Yep. Can you kind of go into why that happened? It was because of what I did. And that's why I just don't want to really, because I know I got to fix myself before I try anything else. Fix yourself. Can you really fix yourself? You do need help from professionals and mental health professionals. I know I got work to do on myself before I can try to do something with another person. That's what I'm saying. As far as a relationship, yes, a serious as as a relationship. relationship. As far as, yes, serious. I'm not even really sure if monogamy is for me. Another thing about growing up here in Arkansas, you never hear about polygamy. You That's something that's will probably you'll never hear about in your lifetime. But I've gotten known people outside of the outside of the state. You know, it's something that I may want to try in my life to see if it's the best thing for me. If not, I got to figure myself, figure out what what I want to do, figure out what I want to do in life, and who I am when it comes to things like relationships. When it comes to things, so is that kind of where the discovery of being pansexual comes into play? Yes, to not be polygamous with a partner. What I'll say is that. Being monogamous, it seems like I'm hold, holding myself back whenever I'm in situations like that. So is it that you, I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this, is it that you don't like a monogamous relationship because you feel limited within having a stable relationship? Or is it that you want to be pansexual so that you can do what you want to do sexually? Is it in the sense of you don't want to be committed to one person or is it that you're okay with being committed to one person so long as you can do what you want to do sexually? No, I think it's just uh, a commitment to one person. It's a lot. It's a lot. In a sense, it does kind of hold you back. And I hate to say that, but you miss out on a lot trying to be with this person and trying to compromise and see where both of y'all can be happy doing something instead of trying different things and seeing what you'll be happy with. 
So do you ever see yourself being in a monogamous relationship? I've tried it in the past. It, it, it's terrible when everything's come to an end as far as relationships go. So do you think you don't want a monogamous relationship because of the hurt and pain that comes in rel relinquishing the relationship? Or that you don't want a monogamous relationship because it holds you back on other experiences? Both. So, uh, you know, our, our, our first love is always the hardest to let go of. In, in those type of situations, we can let that trauma, you know, change who we are. Not well, let me back up. It's not that we let it change who we are, it's that it does change who we are. A the only way that our personality will change is through a traumatic life event. And losing a partner uh is a major traumatic life event if it's not on our terms. However, I think that I could say I'm pretty good authority that a monogamous, a complete monogamous relationship within at least the male LGBTQ plus community is, I don't want to use the word rare, but it's not as common. Would you agree with that statement? I agree with it. And I will say, like, I don't like whenever LGBT people in general try to chase after the same thing that are in states like straight or heterosexual relationships. I don't like that because we're already different. Try to like do something different from what's been ahead of you and what you've seen and things like that. So your parents found out, they kicked you out. They've kicked you out three times. Are you currently living with your parents now? I live with my mom. And Is your mom and dad separated? Yes. Was your mom and dad separated when you came out? No. Okay. So they have separated uh, since then. Did their separation have anything to do with your coming out? Yeah. And that wasn't the main thing, though. Mm -hmm. But yes. And do you in some way feel responsible for their breakup? Uh, it's been a thing that's been a long time in the making. And I hate to say it, but I'm kind of happy that it's happened. And everybody says that you should be grateful for, you know, being in a two-parent household and stuff like that. But whenever there's no peace in a two-parent household, there's not really much happiness and much many things you can be grateful for mm -hmm. coming out of that two-parent household. I'm one of these people that traditionally I don't believe in divorce. You know, I, I think that you should try to fight for your marriage. Uh, but there comes a point where it's better, better to be single and happy than married and miserable. It just gets to that point. However, I'm glad that you're not carrying guilt from that because it'd be very easy for an individual to say, well, I caused this. I won't say that I didn't mm -hmm. have that guilt at one point because, like I said, I was a baby born out of wedlock. My dad has told me several times that he did marry my mom because I was born because he didn't want a child to grow up without his father and stuff like that. And, like, whenever they were going through, like, different arguments and things like that, I was like, it's because of me, it's because of me, it's because of me. It's a fact now that all of it happened because of me, but I'm moving on with my life now. I'm not really worried about what happened to my parents' past and things like that. I'm moving on in my life. What does that look like, moving on with your life? Right now, I'm working two different jobs in the next year or two. If I can get away from jobs and finally go into 
like what I've been trying to do for most of my life, which is music, full time, making it into a career. That's the goal in my life right now. So what kind of music are you into? Right now, my favorites are R&B. Once again, the old school thinking people don't really accept this kind of music, but psychedelic, psychedelic music, mm-hmm. something that you listen to, you can have a great time to and something that's going to stick with you. Do you sing? Do you play music? What What is the goal there? I'm a singer. I do want to learn different instruments, though, especially piano, guitar, and drums. That's the things that I really want to learn sometime very soon. What are you doing now to kind of put that goal to move towards it? I'm not because I'm working two different jobs now, and I'm really thinking about just putting the jobs behind and trying to get into this, trying to make it. A reality. And if you were to put your jobs behind, would your mother allow you to continue to live there? Or are you kind of under the same set of rules that if you don't work, you can't stay? She was saying, like, as long as I'm paying rent, then there's nothing for me to worry about. I want to try to make money while I'm making music. That's not the only reason why I want to do it. But different artists, how not just themselves, but their whole family and everyone around them, is better off in life because of the heart, the effort that they put in in the music. That's what I'm want to get to. Do you think that you want to be successful so that your family will accept you? I want to be successful so that I can help whoever I can, whether it be my family, whether it be my friends, whether it be a stranger that I don't know. I want to be successful so I can help people. Okay, so let me ask this question a little more pointed. Do you think if you were a successful musician that your father would accept you as a homosexual? If so, okay. If not, okay. But do you think he would? No, because it won't be how he had life planned out for me. It'll be how I wanted to do it and how I've been planning to do it all along. It won't, probably not. And that's such a sad story that we as parents want to live vicariously through our children and plan out their future for them. But it happens more often than not, especially when that plan goes against what we believe should be morally correct. You say what's in the past is in the past, but I can say this and be wrong, but I don't see how someone like you can sit here with what has happened in just the last, I mean, mean, it's still going on in your life and not be depressed and not have that anxiety and not have that, that fear of everyone just throwing you away. Oh, it's something that I still deal with. And so how do you cope with that? Best as I possibly can. By doing what? I go to work and I go home. And so you repress it. I guess so. But I I know that with music, that's going to, I'm going to be able to express my emotions. So I kind of hold on to that. I know what I want for my future and I'm going to make it happen. And, and so, you know, in life, when we start talking about anxiety and depression, there has to be a hope somewhere. And so where is your hope? My hope is that, let's say five, 10 years from now, I'm finally into music. I'm finally doing what I love and I'm building a legacy for myself, even whenever I'm, I'm gone from this earth. It's still going to live on through the music that I make. You're fairly still young. You're 22, 23? No, I'm 20 years old. Oh, well, you're younger than I thought. Yeah. Uh, so you've got you've got a long way to go. You, you mentioned earlier 
that when you came out to your parents that you didn't lie, but then afterwards you kind of wish you had? Yes. Do you still feel that way today? Yes. And what do you, how do you think life would be different today had you lied to them? I'd probably still be in college somewhere, but not really dealing with my family. I don't know if things would be better. Well, it's for mentally, probably would be better. So they didn't let you go back to college? Were no. They, were they paying for Yeah, they were paying for college. And like they would always bring it up in my face as they're paying, especially my dad. He'd always bring it up in my face that because I had gotten a scholarship, but it was partial scholarship. So I still had something to pay. And they had to help me pay for college whenever I was finishing that year. Because of all that, not just pressure, but just hearing about it all the time that I'm paying for this, you know, you need to keep going, I'm paying for this. I was like, I'm not doing this again until I can afford it and I can control what I do as far as college goes. So they were essentially using that over your head that I'm doing this, so you're going to do what I tell you to do. They've done that. No, my dad has done that for most of his life, for most of my life. And that's why I don't want to deal with it anymore. I just want to move on and do my own thing. It takes a lot to make me speechless, but I'm just— Like I said, I don't hold any hate. I don't how How do you not hold any hate? That's— Because I know people, especially where he's from and, like, how old he is and things like that. But that doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it okay, but hopefully he'll realize his mistakes. Hopefully he'll change from how he is and see something different. I'm going to make sure that I don't have to deal with it again, that I don't have to even worry about how he thinks and how he is. Because I want to make make a life for myself where I can do my own thing. I can think however I want to. I can be whoever I am, and that's going to be okay. And I don't got to worry about my parents, family, friends. I can be who I am, and that's going to be okay. So essentially what I hear you saying is that what your dad has put you through is the drive to get you to where you're going because you don't want to have to be reliant upon them for anything because you're going to make it because they they have, in essence, or your father has told you that you can't, that this isn't the traditional way of doing it and you can't do it. Well, I didn't really think of it that way, but now that you've said that, yeah, So what is one piece of advice that you would give to someone who may be going through the same thing that you've been through or facing the things that you've been through? It's very easy to shut down. It's very easy to not see a way out. It's very easy to just not want to continue going anymore more. But what I will say is there will be a light at the end of the tunnel. What you're going through now is not it. You can make life better for yourself without whoever it is, bring whoever it is or whatever it is, bring you down. You can escape from it. Yeah. You just have to find that drive. Yes. Just have to find that drive. Brian, thank you for being here with us today. Uh, and, and I'm appalled that anybody would treat a child like that. I, I guess that's the uh, anyway. Thank you for being here with us today. Um, life will get better. Uh, I, I tell you this, I will help you any way that I can uh, because I think you're worth it. You're valuable. You're important. And your story is needed uh, and most certainly wanted. I know that you'll make it. I know that you'll make it. 
All I'll, right. Go ahead. I want to thank you for, um, it's the first time I've ever done something like this. You know, if it reaches to people that they'll support me. And even if you barely know me, you got somebody supporting you too, because I want to see success. I want to see the best out of everybody in the world. So, Absolutely. So um, once again, thank you for being here with us today on Doc Talks. If our listeners wanted to contact you, where could where could they find you on social media? Instagram under the username the real bbell um, on Twitter, uh, real bbell. That's the two main that I well I use Snapchat also, but that's more of a personal thing for me. Instagram and Twitter. All right. And we'll we'll list those usernames in the description of this podcast. So thank you once again for being here. Uh, of course, I'm Doc Brian. You can find all of my social media links at the bottom of my website, thedocbrian.com. Of course, Doc Talks is a part of the Be Frank Network. Check out all of our podcasts there at befranknetwork.com. Once again, Brian, thank you for being here and thank you for listening today. And we will see you next time. Goodbye.